Good morning, good evening, and good night, listeners. Welcome to our podcast. This is Three Men in a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Mark Colpierre. Action Jackson. Xmas Jackson, Flax and Waxen. In this podcast, we review movies, and we deliver to you, the listener, an average schmuck's opinion about hidden gems in the wide world of cinema. In the show, we try to target movies that are not absolute blockbuster smashes and ones that are not so obscure that you couldn't get your hands on a copy even if you wanted to. Instead, we aim for that delightful sweet spot of films that, in our experience, too few people have seen um, or maybe people haven't seen in a while. And it's up to us to review these movies and deliver to you, the listener, uh, our opinion about whether or not they are worth digging out of the Ark of the Covenant and melting a few Nazi faces and popping back into your Betamax to watch them again. That's that's a Toy Story reference, right? It is, yes. It's either that or Jumanji. Jumanji. <laughs> you know, I don't do, know. Do they say that in that movie? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I say it every time I think about it. It's true. <laughs> Anytime I hear drums, I just think of Robin Williams. Jumanji. <laughs> they never say it like that. <laughs> no, he does say it at the end, though, when he drops the dice and Van Pelt's about to shoot him in the face. Does he say yes. it like that? With that Which inflection? is like, this is the shit we used to watch as kids, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, a dude had a high-powered rifle and literally was about to shoot a guy in the face. Oh, yeah. And that was that was childhood fair for us. If I had a nickel, yeah, I'd have at least 35 cents. I've never heard that expression before. <laughs> but, But who's giving you the nickels is the question. The universe and the tooth fairy. I lost a lot of teeth. I played hockey for two years. Well, with, yeah, Van Pelt shooting you in the face. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that was a that was a fun little a vacation we took there. You are welcome. You... <laughs> uh, yeah. So here we are in our twenty second episode, and we just reviewed the movie Brigsby Bear. Brigsby Bear. This was a movie that I had seen before. I saw it once before on a plane. I literally was like tabbing through the like video log that they have, whatever. And I, I read the description and I was just like, oh, I have to see that. And I was in my head, I was like, I feel like this is a movie I'm not going to be able to like see readily. And it wasn't until I watched it and I like, I started to like notice it in like video shops. Yes, I do like to frequent video shops like family video and shit i still like browsing i mean family by the way but... that's a very old-fashioned sentence that colin just uttered. <laughs> it's really also if it helps you my favorite game is the stick in the hoop thing that you know i just run down the street like, look at my it. hoop <laughs> just knock it all the way to the video store that's not the first time you've said look at my hoop is it's it? not <laughs> By the way, that is a Patton Oswalt quote. Yes, from Parks and Recreation. Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. <laughs> look at my hoop, Leslie. Look at my hoop. <laughs> so good. So I, I hadn't even heard of this movie. No. Um, and I was delightfully surprised when I saw the cover. I thought it was a ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's, honestly. I thought it could have been a ripoff of Ted. You I know, mean, also I, true. I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> None at all. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, so as I said, I, I saw this movie first on a plane and then... And that does not shock me at all. I feel like knowing you, you would see this movie sight unseen and just be like, yeah, that's the kind of lowbrow shit I'm looking for. <laughs> I hate to I hate to agree with you, but yes, that is 100% it. Um I mean, you I did, saw the cover and you were like, I'm in. I did tab through the cast and like the cast sort of tipped me off that like this has got more oomph than just your the, average B movie. Yeah, your yeah. your average um, the just then the description would maybe suggest. But uh, this is truly like 
the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Like, this is the kind of movie that I'm telling you I recommend to people if they tell me, give me something that I've probably never even heard of, but you think I'll enjoy. This is one of my go-tos. So I was very, very excited to review this and get you guys going with this for the first time. So let's jump into some IMDb specs so you know what the hell we're talking about. Brigsby Bear, IMDb, has this as a comedy drama. Thoughts? I would say that's 100% accurate. I comedy drama, yes. Now, one thing I'm, I'm really excited to get into with this one is, depending on how you want to like frame your perspective, it could be dominated by either of those categories. There was halfway through this movie, I switched my, my, my modes you know, as I'm, as I'm watching it, and it, it was heavy drama. And even the, the comedic beats changed for me. You know, like I know you guys were still laughing out loud and, and everything. It resonated differently with me. I really enjoyed the nuance to this movie, and I'm, I'm very excited to talk about the layers. Yeah, I would say like what you just described, I feel like somebody hearing that might think it's a dark comedy, and it's not that. It's not. It's not a black comedy. It's not a dark comedy. It's it's like... It's a deep comedy. It, yeah, it's quite literally like a comedy and a drama simultaneously, and they don't intermingle. They are very much like middle school dance style genres that are just on either side of the room, wholly independent. They're in the same room. They're part of the same movie, but they are totally independent of one another. But I, I, I was super impressed that it was both at the same time, and it wasn't that it was alternating between them. It's that depending on how you wanted to view the scene, personally, the comedic beat wasn't funny. It was heavy. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, and especially if you have any way of personally relating to the content that was there, you would have a very different reaction. Some people have a laugh reaction to something that's completely inappropriate. Are you talking about me? I mean, <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out, but I mean, yeah, yeah, it's there's that. Guilty yeah, as charged. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that we laughed at all during uh, our last episode of Tokyo Gore Police. Um, I watch but, the movie every night before I go to bed now. You know, that doesn't shock me. <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm getting a full back tattoo. Yes. Uh, so Brigsby Bear came out in 2017, rated PG-13, runtime an hour and 37 minutes. Thoughts about the runtime? Did uh, it drag? Did it? I, it was a great pace. You know, it, it's not going to be the flavor for everybody. I think some people might find it boring. I did not find it boring. I didn't find it boring at all. No, I no, mean, I, I it, love movies like this. It moved. It was, it was a good pace. Okay, so I, so you know what the fuck we're talking about. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna read out the IMDb description, and I'm going to give you a blah for this. Um, this movie, I think, is one of those movies that's perhaps best viewed when you just get blindsided by it. So if you're the kind of person who likes to watch movies, just like go out and watch this movie. I'm going to move up our recommendations. I recommend it. I personally recommend it. Oh, 100%. Okay, we'll get more into the details of the recommendations in a little bit, but we all recommend it. Go and see it. Little Buen, spoiler, because I, I don't think this description... It's more of a baby Buen than a Buepa Buen. Yeah, baby Buen. Uh, after being freed from his life in an underground bunker, a man sets out to make a movie of the only TV show he has ever known. Thoughts? That is a very bone-dry description of the movie. It gives the skeletal structure of the story without revealing any of the content. Yeah, I, I agree. I think looking back, that's an apt description. But I, I would agree with what you had said. It's almost better when you don't know that. It doesn't give away anything 
but I found going in completely cold that it was better chilly. It was better having no idea. If I had known anything about this movie going into it, I feel like I wouldn't have had as genuine a reaction. So I, mm -hmm. again, I would 100% agree that going in blind was way more enjoyable than, than having already known what it's about. That yeah. being said, I would definitely watch it again because I enjoyed this movie. One of my favorite things ever in the history of forever is watching movies with people who haven't seen them, and I have, and watching their reactions. And I can like 100% say that the beginning of this movie, which just got revealed in the IMDb description, I could tell that you guys were like sucked in and into this stuff when I was watching your reactions. I could tell that your reactions were genuine and interested and it was generating a lot of that like, what the fuck is happening right now in your minds, which it, it kind of gives, this description gives it away a little bit. Anyway, let's jump into our stars here. Who stars in this movie? Well, uh, one name that you you, you might recognize, um, Greg Kinnear. Oh, yeah. What about Bob? Is that What About Bob? No. Yeah. Nope. No, it's no, not What no, About it's Bob. it's not What About Bob. But no, it is Captain no, Amazing. Captain Amazing. Captain Amazing. That's... Yeah. What About Bob is Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss. Richard Dreyfuss. Richard Dreyfuss. He's not in this movie. No. Richard Dreyfuss <laughs> Although that would have been Kinnear. entertaining. Well, I would have, yeah. I would have watched, yeah. yeah. Greg it's Kinnear like... was in, uh, yes, he was in Mystery Men, Flash of Genius. God, Greg Kinnear's been fucking everything. He was in Loser. Do you guys remember that with Jason Biggs? Yeah. Nina Savari. Mm. Greg Kinnear is, he's just a handsome, good actor. And, you know, we'll, we'll have him on the show soon. Who else we got in this movie? Next week, right? Yeah. Mark Hamill. Who's he? So this was, this was that Who guy's film debut. Yes. And I think he did a pretty good job. I, you know, I, I, I mean, it's definitely the biggest thing he's ever been in. I would give him another shot, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mark Hamill deserves a second role. He went back to do better things, right? Yeah. He struck back, you might say. Struck back. Yeah. Yeah, he, oh, he, man, he, I brought that full circle. <laughs> I'm really proud of that. <laughs> so obviously, Mark Hamill, amazing. Who else? We Star got? Wars. He, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars. If you don't know who Mark Hamill or, is, also Joker from yeah, the Joker animated Batman series. You and if you're fans of 80s comics being redone in 2021, uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, I personally recommend it. Yeah, we we got a couple other people in here that are definitely like known. If you if you're familiar with Lonely Island at all, uh, Kyle Mooney is the star. He he was in the Lonely Island with Andy Samberg, who also has a cameo in this movie. Another big name that you guys might recognize from rom-coms or 90s movies, Claire Danes. Dare Clains. Uh, okay, so somebody's in this movie who, like, I, I would not have been able to tell you his name, but I quite liked him. Are you thinking of Matt Walsh? No, I do like him too. Go ahead. Matt Walsh is also in this yeah, movie. Yeah, Matt Walsh plays a cop in just about everything he's ever been in, with the exception of this movie, because he just has that kind of face. He looks like a cop. He's also in uh, Brooklyn uh, Nine Nine with Andy Samberg. Yeah, and Parks and Rec. He plays the disaster guy yeah. who like orchestrates yeah. the disaster. It's like my mom's getting a colonoscopy today, and I'm not even sure if there's anybody there to pick her up. So everybody's making sacrifices. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're not that close. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we, we haven't talked about the star yet. Be well, yeah, no, 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 he did. He, he said Kyle Mooney. But what else has Kyle Mooney been in? Oh, you're right to that. Yeah, he was Zoolander 2. He played uh, Don Atari. He was that, like, hipstery director guy who was kept saying, like, oh, man, these people are so funny, man. They're, like, my best friends. I fucking hate them. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he was, like, the hipster's hipster. He was also in an episode of Parks and Rec um, applying for a job. <laughs> yes. Really? We're really hard on the Parks and Rec. Yeah. But it's so good. What are you I, looking to get out of this job? Oh, oh you mean like uh, in a year from now? Like, like one year of money. Like one year of money, would be ideally. Like perfect. <laughs> so good. Who I was going to say earlier, though, is Jorge Lindenberg. Lindenborg? 
Jr. could not have given you his name, but he was in Bumblebee. He played Mimo, Memo in Bumblebee. And, I think it was Mimo. Uh, Mimo. And Jason in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, and Nick in Love, Simon. Oh, that was a good movie. That that's was on, a good that's movie. That's on our list. Love, Simon. I really enjoyed that movie. Anyway, he's a really talented actor and, and definitely recommend catching him in your next blockbuster smash. I think he's on the rise. Okay, so I think that kind of covers like some of the hot points. Of the the stars, directed by Dave McCary. Dave McCary. Oh, yeah. Dave McCary. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's that guy. He did uh, he did that other movie, with the. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right with the. Oh, um, with the the people. Yeah, no, it, yep. it had um. That guy. It had that one place in it. Yeah, do you remember at like at the end it kind of like faded to black and there were all these like white letters that went up? Yeah. And all this stuff. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I, I liked that part. In the industry, mm-hmm. I think they call those credits. Uh, is it credits or I don't I don't like bore you with industry credits? jargon, but now I, I, I now I thought credits. I thought credits were what you turned in for stuff. Yes, yes, oh. in most obviously spaceport. Yes, yeah. that is exactly what you turned right. in for stuff. Right. Right. Uh, so also, Mark Hamill was there. <laughs> he was. So allegedly. you may have guessed we haven't heard of any. You haven't heard of him, so <clears throat> that's fine. Okay, so that gives us kind of our bare bones IMDb stuff. So would we recommend this movie? I know we touched on it earlier before the buah. Thoughts? I so hmm, absolutely. Uh, I do think that maybe this movie is a different pace than some people might be into. But honestly, if you have the patience, and it's not a slow burn, but it's not a Star War. It's not a Star War. It's not a Star War. Oh my God, it's but, not a Star War. But holy cow! And I'm as I'm watching it, you know, I'm pulling out all of these little nuances. I. I really dug on this movie. I, so I would agree with you about it not being a Star Wars. Um, however, I don't know if I would... I, I feel like I'm going to push back a little bit on the pacing thing. I, I don't know if I 100% agree that it was like... It didn't drag or anything. If anything, I would say it went along a little bit faster than its runtime would suggest. Not a criticism. I didn't mean to criticize. No, I know. I know. Yeah. But but there are good movies that like just take a long time to get to the point. And I don't know if I would classify this as that. As a slow burn? No, I don't. I don't think that fits the bill in my head. The word that comes to mind. It also is... could be what engages you and what doesn't engage. Right. You know, right. like personal preference kind of thing. But yeah, but the word that comes to mind for me is steady pace. I mean, it didn't feel like it was rushed. It didn't feel like it was taking its time. I mean, they they clearly knew where they wanted to go with the story, so they were running it along at a steady pace. But it didn't feel like a four-hour movie. It didn't feel like a thirty-minute movie. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think what I meant, if I can try to provide a little bit of color to that, is like a Napoleon Dynamite. You know, you have to be in a certain mood to watch that. And I'm not saying that this is Napoleon Dynamite, but in my opinion, there were two movies here. One that was a not dark, but it was a heavy drama, and the other was like a light comedy, an awkward comedy. Maybe is a better. Yeah, way. I'm gonna like piggyback on you here. There's a quirkiness in this film and a pluckiness that I think you're gonna be more receptive to at some points than others. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So Mark already said recommend my bill is i recommend the shit out of this movie there are very few people i wouldn't recommend this movie to my parents might struggle with this movie because i think like some of the quirkiness might be lost on them and they wouldn't that wouldn't translate to comedy in their head it would translate to like awkward and like weird anybody under the age of like 45 i would definitely recommend this movie to yeah anybody that has ever heard of uh the secret life of walter mitty or hector in the pursuit of happiness it's very similar in vibe to both of those movies so if you if you like anything like that it's definitely something that you would be into okay so we got we got three wrecks all around for me i would recommend this at like a 95 percent rate definitely okay so almost 100 in terms of like the general public we would recommend this to and obviously that goes for us are we ready to 
<laughs> he never he never ceases to amaze. I love it. Um okay, so the boy 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 means spoilers. Oh, stop here if you don't want to hear all the wonderful little nuggets that this movie has to offer. I feel like this movie has a pretty structured narrative and I think we can go through like scene for scene like we we yeah. do with some of our other ones. Okay, let's crack it open like a nut. Opening scene. The opening scene is a poorly tracked VHS version of this show. And it is a show that centers around a bear. You might call him Brigsby Bear. Oh, namesake of the movie. Oh, oh. My God. Title drop. And, okay, guys, back me up on this. Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, Thank you. Much. Definitely. It, it was, it's basically Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, it's like uh, an so, animatronic kind of looking yep. thing. I had the same thing where the eyes like open and close. You guys ever have the Teddy Ruxpin oh, where yeah. the, the mouth moved and the eyes, the eyes open and shut? Yeah, thank God I did not, but... <laughs> it's I basically, did. it's basically like a. It was the precursor to a Furby, I think. Yeah, like that spoke words. I mean, it was absolutely Teddy Ruxpin is what yeah. inspired this. You could put tapes in it and shit, and like whatever. So it was a television show that centered around this bear, and it took so many sharp turns. I was watching Mark's face, and I was pissing myself. Like, <laughs> well, I, I wasn't sure what what its purpose was because it was it was playing some fantasy, it was playing fiction. But then it was like dropping some random like math formulas. Um, and Remember, then it was... if the inverse of x is equal to the magnitude of x, yeah. then x must be equal to r. I can't yeah. remember what the fuck they said, but it's something like that. And it's like throwing out like PSAs. X minus one to the power of one minus x <laughs> equals x plus one. Like quite literally yeah. just like thrown into this show in the middle of it. And you're just like, Okay, that was strange. <laughs> it's, it's like really heavy, less than subliminal messaging. Right. Yeah. It was like heavy-handed subliminal messaging. So uh, not subliminal. So like literally, that, it's yeah. just messaging. Yeah. It's just messaging. Yeah. It transitions at that point. You know, you, you realize it's, it's a VHS tape that this kid is, or this man is watching. Yeah, he's 25 years old at this point watching this show about Brigsby Bear. And he's real into it. And he immediately goes to his computer and begins to vlog about it. Basically what we're doing right now. Yeah, with like a camera and everything. And he's like dissecting this show. And he's like, he's got new theories. Like a Trekkie, you know, like really into it. Yeah, actually, that's a good comparison. I remember looking at Mark and I could see on your face that the immediate sort of interpretation of this is he is a person who is absolutely obsessed with a television show, like mm -hmm. some Trekkies have been known to be, which I would consider myself a Trekkie, not a, like, I have all of the episodes and I watch them for, like, how it affects the Star Trek universe at large and, like, develop fan theories. I just have great respect for those people. I don't know if I believe you, Colin. <laughs> Are you talking about the Trekkles? The, the Trekkles? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Trekkles is what you get at a Star Trek convention in Vegas when it's your first time ever uh, seeing a girl. The trouble with Trekkles. The trouble with Trekkles. I thought it was like a rash that forms when you go it to is. A, a Star Trek convention. It is. It, yeah. The, Penicillin takes care of it. The and Trekkles. The hot Klingon chick, you didn't think she was going to charge you, but she definitely charged you. Yep. <laughs> Maybe right. not with money. No, oh, yeah. Federation credits. Yes. <laughs> right. Um... That's a good bit. <laughs> so, and I want to say at that point it goes to the dinner table and he's discussing his thoughts on the most recent Rigsby Bear episode that he watched. And it's weird because his parents in this scene are like, 
correcting him. And like, at first you think that they're like, I can't believe you're so obsessed with this fucking show. Yeah. But then it transitions to, no, they're into it. And they're like critical of his analysis. Yeah. Yeah. So it's surprising, perhaps. They get up and they do this. It's not a prayer, but it's, 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 it's like saying grace, but they have a phrase that they repeat over and over they get up and they shake hands with each other independently and they say our minds will be stronger tomorrow every just, day at dinner time just kind of boss and then, then, <laughs> i mean that's that's dope as shit like i don't pray but if i ever had to incorporate a ritual into my daily life that'd be a pretty dope one to do that would be dope as shit dope as shit dope as shit so then they they just stand up and they shake each other's hands. Uh, it's like the Christian, like, peace be with you that you do at church. Yeah. I don't know if other denominations do that. I know the Catholics do. Catholics do a lot of things. Well, this was nothing I'd ever seen. I guess, to, <laughs> to be specific here, there didn't seem to be any religious undertones. It was very much just a, like... It was like, we appreciate the religious rituals, but we're not going to adopt the, yeah. like, religion. Right. This is just a ritual that keeps our family together. There's, I, I, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, here. okay. So it basically becomes evident very quickly that they live in... In sort of quasi bunker type environment, mostly underground, and they are in like a geodesic dome or underneath, I guess, a geodesic dome. I think like biodome, but with like subterranean levels. Yeah, like Poly Shore meets Cloverfield. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that about gets it. And there's a scene where he goes out with his dad to the dome and they're like looking outside, and all of the animals <laughs> are like animatronic, and he's talking about them as if they're not. Not, and they're real, you know, and you're like, at this point in the film, very unsure about how you should be interpreting this. There's like these fireflies that they call grazer bugs, and the dad starts talking about how the grazer bugs' rectal skeletons are fully charged, and I just, I lost my shit at that point. From the moon energy. Yes, from the moon energy. I mean, it makes sense. But grazer bugs have rectal skeletons, who knew? I wrote that shit down. What's a rectal skeleton? That's what I like? wanted to know. It's what it's what uh, grazer bugs have. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Just uh, hop on the Googles and it's, type in rectal skeleton. It's what Turn... they used to make Brondo out of. Yeah. Yeah, do an image search. Turn the safe search filter off. See yeah. what happens. Anyway. Play with fire. You like gambling? Do you want to see something you don't unsee? <laughs> That's probably it. Just put rectum somewhere in the sentence. Yeah, Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so it's, a, it's actually kind of a heartwarming scene, father-son. It is a little bondy, isn't it? He's asking him what's on his mind, and they're kind of connecting and all this stuff, and you get the sense that <clears throat> this is Mark Hamill, who's the father. The son is the main character, and Kyle Mooney plays him. And Mark Hamill, you get the sense that he's, like, a very caring, very interested, and very supportive father. After a beat, like, a day or two goes by, and you kind of get the sense that, like, this guy does this every single day and never goes outside of this compound. And at one point, leaves his room after dark, after hours, after they shut the generators down. And he goes and he kind of sits on top of the airlock with a gas mask on, by the way, to protect him against the poisonous air. The skinser. The skinser. Uh, the skinser disease, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had skinser, but... It's brutal. It's its not good. It's, College was not kind to me. No, I needed a cream. Yeah. Um, I don't think Mark's had skinser. We're gonna get Mark some skinser. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 tell. I don't want it. Don't tell his wife. Uh, okay. Just go so... to Miami for a week. It's the same thing. <laughs> you on it? You'll get skinser from any restaurant. The hotel there. ice machine. I yeah. Mean, that's how I got it. That's... Sounds terrible. That that was. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was that was what they called them. Yep. <laughs> the hotel ice machine. Yeah, buddy. Put you on ice. So uh, he's he's <laughs> sitting out on top of the uh, the compound, uh, gas mask on, and he sees flashing red and blue lights in the distance. We all know what that means. Berries and cherries. Uh, he saw the cops coming. Obviously, had no idea what the fuck it was. Freaked out. This guy, you realize, has spent his entire life in this little, like... 25 years in a bunker. Yeah. And runs inside, freaks the fuck out, and his parents come running, and basically, what do they say to him? Like, I love you, so you have to be strong. And you think he's getting, he's getting arrested. The FBI comes in and, like, basically hauls him off. Um, not aggressively, but, like, you know, puts a blanket around him, puts him in the back of a car. And he is, as you can imagine, very confused and very distraught. And then he ends up in what is actually an interrogation cell, even though he's not under arrest. And um, our well, buddy Greg well, Kinnear walks in. Real real quick, going back a little bit, as he's being drugged out to the uh, the cop car... He's trying to hold a blanket over his mouth and he's trying to like understand why no one else has a gas mask on. Yeah. You know, so you really get the idea that, wow, everything that you had watched up to this point was a ploy to keep him isolated. Even when he's in the in the cop car, you know, he's he's trying to understand why no one has a gas mask on. And at one point, one of the, the police officers rolls his window down and he's like freaking out a little bit. And then he kind of sticks his head outside and he starts breathing and he's like uncomfortable with it at first, but you realize very quickly that he was under the impression that the air was poisonous his entire life, and he's coming to grips with that realization in that moment. Yeah, so you guys know I'm like a total cinephile, I fucking love movies. I've really come to the realization over the last like, I don't know, 10 years or so that I, I, I and I may have said this on the podcast before, that I feel like I like movies because I like can't predict them very well. My wife predicts them very well and she sees shit coming a mile ahead and i get blindsided by it which is like that's the effect that they're going for you know they're going for the me people that yeah. are like you know the ones who don't see it coming. yeah you're too stupid to figure this out so yep. we're just gonna like fucking one two punch you to the face and i just get too engrossed in it and i feel like even at this point in the movie i didn't like fully understand what was going on like i was confused i had some guesses Maybe one of my guesses the first time I saw this were like in the ballpark of what we we're talking about, but I really didn't have it like fleshed out. And it wasn't until he's in this interrogation room with Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear's like, you got abducted when you were an infant and your real parents have been searching for you ever since then. And we just found you. And this is the world, basically, right? Here's a Coke. Yeah, he yeah, gave him a Coke for the first time. He handed him a Mexican Coke and he's like, I keep a stash of these for my friends. Yeah, there's this. It, it it does this this weird thing as he's drinking it. Like the camera kind of like zooms in a little bit on him, and like you can tell that like his taste buds are just exploding because he's never had a soda before. Which like, all right, I'm gonna take a step back and like take an objective slice of that. I feel like we're programmed to like sugar, mm-hmm. right? Like I I feel like that's the kind of thing that we would just naturally you know naturally gravitate towards. But at the same time, like there are a lot of people I know who don't drink pop because they find it too sweet. And I feel like somebody who's never had anything sweet in their entire life would drink a Coke for the first time and be like, Bleh. I mean, honestly, if I had never had a Coke before, if I had never had soda, and I can't even objectively say this because I mean that's not true. I feel like my reaction would be at least somewhat similar in the beginning of like, holy shit, what is this? But at the same time, 
I, I feel what Colin's saying. Like, there is so much sugar in that that I would just be blasted back out of my chair. Like, I can't stand this stuff. Like, this is so far beyond what I've ever experienced. And my taste buds are so shot to shit with, like, the crap I shovel into my gullet. that I eat so much spicy food, I don't think I have taste buds anymore. No, your farts are dangerous. Yeah. That's why I point <laughs> my back end towards the wall. That's true. Yeah. Burn marks all over that wall. Yeah. Thanks, Jackson. You're welcome. Uh, Okay, so... Basically, after this meeting with Greg Kinnear, where he explains to him the situation, he goes and meets his parents for the first time. His dad is Matt Walsh, and his mom is played by... Michaela Watkins. Yes. Thank you. Definitely somebody I knew by face, but not by name. Yep. And he's got a sister, a younger sister, who's still in high school, probably like late high school, I would say, senior maybe. 17, 18 at the most. Yeah, and it's awkward, to be honest. It, yeah, it's it's very awkward. Dad is all, like, excited. Let's make this list like, of things we want to do. Mom is, like, a little bit more reserved. You can tell that she's excited, but, like... She doesn't want to freak him out with her excitement. Right, right. So but, she's trying to cage it up a little bit. But she is also freaked out. Yes, yeah, totally. You know, it's it's... I think the actress does a really good job of, like portraying really reserved excitement again i'm gonna go back to it there are two movies here there's the comic beats and then there's the heaviness you know this is a story about a boy who was abducted as a child and it's how he's introduced to the world and how he tries to like understand what's going on and come to terms with that yeah that's not funny that is yeah i mean so heavy at this point you can kind of see where the heavy elements come from like this dude has never seen the world and only knows what these two like kidnappers have told him his entire life but they also weren't like abusive no they, they were, were very nurturing nurturing and supporting but they had to like keep him locked away which led to this person who was very well developed in terms of emotional intelligence but also very sheltered and ignorant of everything. So he gets home and I'm going to be I'm going to be honest, it's awkward as shit. Yeah. It's tremendously difficult to watch because this guy is struggling with like literally everything that's in the world he's never seen before. Well, at one point they ask him, they're like, "This is your first, you know, everything, really. And what do you think what do you think of the real world?" And he goes, "It's so big. It's so vi- it's so big." Yeah. Like that's the only thing he can think is that the world is so big because his world was one fucking building. Yeah. And not even a big building at that. I no. mean, it was a fucking bunker. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene um, kind of around this point where they, they're showing him the TV and they hand him the remote and they say, well, just push this button to go up and, and go down. And he's just sitting there like, what what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. what is all of this? It's, it's just white noise to him because he doesn't even know how to piece it all together. And that scene kind of plays into, it, he flips over to the, the to a newsreel and they're, they're discussing the tragic events that took place and his rescue and they, his parents are scrambling to try to turn the TV off because they don't want to traumatize him any more than he already has been. But it's also great exposition for like the backstory about like oh, yeah, him getting kidnapped and like it was, it was a very clever device to like give the audience a little bit more info about like the circumstances of him getting kidnapped and raised by these people. Yep. But I think it, it illustrates really well that while he may have the eyes to view the world he's not ready to view the world yet no i mean emotionally he's he's not emotionally but developmentally he's very stunted i mean he's he's still it's almost like he's like eight yeah so the next scene his parents were very excited to kind of brainstorm some ideas some things that they could do with him and one of the things that they come up with is like taking him to a movie theater so his dad takes him to see this movie and he is hockey nights hockey high 
Hockey High. Hockey High. Which is basically just Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. It was a ripoff of Mighty Ducks. So he is just enthralled. First of all, like, he is just enthralled by the size of the screen. I mean, it's a whole wall. The whole wall is a screen. And he couldn't believe that it was, like, again, this guy's only seen this show, this television show, Brigsby Bear, which has, you know, what, 22-minute episodes, presumably? This is a feature-length film, and he's like, it's one long adventure. And he's just blown away by that. So he immediately comes to this idea that he will create a Brigsby Bear movie, and he wants to create his own movie. And it's the first time that, you know, since he's been in this world, you know, you saw a bit of it in the beginning when he was like, coming up with his ideas for Brigsby's universe. Now Brigsby could get out of this, you know, particular jam he's in, whatever. Since then, he's been very, like, reserved, very, like, not beaten down, but very quiet. And he just sort of, like, explodes with energy and creativity when he comes up with this idea to create a Brigsby Bear film. And it's, like, incredibly refreshing as an audience member to just see somebody, like, liven up like that right because it's difficult because it's interesting his reserved life is so rich and nuanced because there's what some 700 plus episodes of brigsby Bear. 726 that's that's absurd that you remember that number but i'm 25 volumes 726 episodes i'm impressed um but (laughs) (laughs) i'm impressed (laughs) but but that world is so rich and vivid and it's interesting that as he's exploring the real world He keeps retreating back to his curated world because it, to him, feels more rich and detailed than everything else. So it's it's an interesting kind of contrast that people keep trying to present him with these crazy new things, you know, TV, radio, you know, a car. But he doesn't liven up until he turns that inside and is talking about his favorite show. So it's just, it's really interesting. And again, it's a reminder that this is not just a comedy. Every scene where that comes up, I thought the actor did such a brilliant job of delivering objectively funny lines that felt real within context and were depressing when you really thought about it. I mean, the, the cadence of his speech any, when he's around these people his own age, or actually technically a little bit younger, but when he's around people that were the same emotional age as he was. Yeah, quite a bit younger, I would say. Like, Yeah, because like, he was hanging out with high schoolers. He goes to his yeah. first party with his sister, and they're in high school. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the characters that he meets is Spencer. The guy helps him make the movie, the Brigsby movie. But, you know, you have to remember, this guy is 25 years old and has nothing that he's able to relate to with these people other than this film mm-hmm. or this TV show. Yeah, Spencer is played by that uh, Jorge Lendenborg Jr. And he is a kind of like aspiring filmmaker, yeah, if he, you will, in the movie. He's playing with graphic arts and CG on his laptop. And you actually discover that after the party. During the party, I'm just going to kind of fly through this bit because it's not... No, I think you're right. I think this is definitely the next major component of the film. Yeah, so it's, definitely it's, tackle it. It's, it's not like... The, the details of the party aren't super important, but at one point, you know, Spencer brings him outside and he's interacting with people and he's super awkward as you can imagine you know he's talking to people that he's never met he's never met people before like that let me just hammer that again he's never met people before Mm -hmm. i I met a people once i i didn't like it it was awful yeah right oh man well Um, it's interesting because it's it's almost like a frat party but spencer is wearing a star trek shirt so like immediately with just the costume design you know that he is not one of the frat boys. He's not a bro. 
Right. He, you know, again, we're in spoiler territory. Spencer immediately gets introduced as a friendly, approachable, likable character, and he maintains that throughout the entire film. And I appreciate the shit out of this film for, like, not deviating from that, because I feel like they could have scored cheap points to just, like, make him an asshole, and his betrayal sort of codifies in this character's mind that, like, the world is harsh, and, like, there are bad people in it, and, like, it's such a, it's such a fucking, like, easy road to go down. Like, it's effective. I'm not knocking films that do that, but, it's like... It's a great filmmaking device. Advice, but they don't they don't, you don't use that and you don't have to do it no. and i that's what i love about this movie is like they didn't do it because they didn't fucking have to and like sometimes in life sometimes you meet people and they're just great fucking people yeah and like they're just good people the whole time yeah and that's fucking awesome and like honestly like there's only one time where they have like a bit of conflict between the two of them but like it resolves relatively quickly as conflict has a tendency to do with people who are like, you know, emotionally developed and able to understand another person's side and forgive and that kind of thing. I mean, to, to be fair, he he did more or less put a bomb in the guy's car and didn't tell him. About Allegedly. It. Allegedly. Yeah. But yeah, so at this party, he has what we could describe as his first sexual experience. Also his first beer. First his time, first beer. First time meeting people. First time taking drugs. He was taking Molly. Yeah, he was doing Molly with a bunch <laughs> of high schoolers getting drunk. And, We've all um, been there. Yeah. And then, you know, he has a bad reaction to mixing Molly with beer for the first time in his entire life, which, you know, we can all relate to that. And so... If I had a nickel, yeah, Jackson would have 35 cents. It's true. I think I might have 35 cents in my pocket, actually. <laughs> you got some Molly in your pocket? Yeah, well, wouldn't you like to know... <laughs> Is that the new thing? Is that like you just go to somebody on the street corner who looks like looks a little shady and you're just like, hey, man, you got 35 cents? I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do Is that. Is that how you do it? Yeah. It's, it's been a minute since I've been out in, been in this game. I'm going to try it and try see it. what yeah, just see, Yeah, let, report back. I'll do, the, I'll do the R&D. Don't do it to Mike Tyson because he will punch you with that fistful of Morton Toes and yeah. probably kill you. And then we'll have to replace you on the podcast, which would be a shame. Yeah. Once was enough. Um, <laughs> you used to be Garlington Jackson. You were a very sophisticated guy. I, yeah. You attended garden parties. English accent and everything. I yeah. only drank brandy when doing this podcast. It's true. And Mike Tyson punched him one time. Now he's Jackson Garlington. Yep. And, um, now I'm a beer drinking unwashed hippie. It's <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Um... Yeah. yeah, so long long story short, he, he goes connected. upstairs after, you know, getting sick from this reaction and this character, Meredith, who I would describe as a tertiary character. She's not yeah. super important no, to the definitely. story. Um, but definitely like an identifiable through line. Yeah. But doesn't do ma any major like plot advances. Yeah, she's and, just... and you will recognize her throughout the movie. She shows up several times. She has several lines. She's friends with his sister. And kind of um, reminds me of, like a Megan Fox type. Not in terms of like the role, but like she just reminds me of Megan Fox. I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. Um. And so you know she's under the influence as well. So they're just kind of feeling each other out, vibing, and they take it another step further as they start making out. He. She takes it another step further. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're they're feeling each other out. They're feeling each other up. Yeah. 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 Dot com. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, but it's, don't it's, go to that website. It's it's like weird. Like there's in that scene, like she's got her hand in his pants and he's like aggressively thanking her. Like, thank you. Thank you. That feels, that feels great. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for Th what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. 
that's very kind of you. It's it's definitely one of those scenes where it's, it's weird too because like he's twenty five, she's probably like eighteen, well, yeah, maybe, and definitely like if anybody's taking advantage of anybody, it's her. Oh, like, yeah. she is taking advantage of him a hundred percent. Yeah, he has no idea what's going on right. to this point the alpha and omega of his sexual experience is a poster of one of the characters in brigsby bear the smile sisters yes one of the smile sisters who it turns out later is is only one person that the, he has you know a, uh put his hand under the blanket slap the like salami that. I to i think he was just scratching his inner thigh but... is that what it was yeah <laughs> that's, that's... but but she... I, I may i i okay she makes the okay. comment like Oh, you've never been with a girl before, or something like that. Like, like it's it's very over that like she sees him as a lamb, and you know she's gonna she's take lead him to him slaughter. slaughter. <laughs> yeah, so, that was a high five. Uh, if for any of you listening at home, let's try that again. That was that was, that was good. Okay, that was that was a hand clap. Okay, don't, don't, don't be don't be disingenuous. Me. Don't. Pull back the curtain, okay? Don't let them live in a bunker underground with your parents high-fiving. That was sarcasm. No, that was a special effect. (laughs) Practical effect. So he We only believe in practical effects on this podcast. That's true. We've made that abundantly clear. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, back to him being taken advantage of. Um... He gets a little uncomfortable because everything's moving real fast and he has no idea what the heck is going on. So he runs out into the woods with a boner. Yeah, he runs into the woods with a boner. A giant, like, sun god comes out. No, it was, it was fucking, what's his name? It was the sun catcher. Sun ca- is it sun catcher? Or sun snatcher. Sun snatcher. Sun snatcher, sun snatcher who's the villain in Brigsby Bear. Right, so maybe he's having a... An episode. Okay, so Sun Snatcher, for those listening at home, his character in Brigsby Bear, we had described Brigsby Bear as Teddy Ruxpin. Sun Snatcher is basically like a giant sun with a person like pushing their face through a cutout. It was the Teletubbies if they'd grown up to be like 50. Or what came to mind for me was, have you guys all seen that? You probably know what I'm talking about. That super fucking old movie it's like one of the first movies ever back in like the early 20th century of like going to the moon and this rocket blasts oh off my God. and fucking like yes. sticks in the moon's eye and the moon is like yes. a and it's like it's hella creepy and like you're looking at it and you're like this is the thing of nightmares yeah the rocket lands in the moon's eye yeah but people in fucking 19 19- 13 or like yeah let's yeah that's totally not creepy and like won't give people nightmares to for my decades to my knowledge that is the first motion picture ever made with audio oh okay well there you go so whatever the fuck that's called going to the moon the moon is cheese i will find out the the, the wrong trousers grommet my head just went down a tangent there when you think of sun snatcher think of that moon right except it's the sun and it's in color and it's just as creepy. Right. A trip right. to the moon, circa 1902. 1902! Oh my god. Yeah, I, I think I was in high school. Middle school. Middle it was school. 1902. Oh. Middle school. I was thinking 1904. Ooh. Uh, oh my so- god, it's so creepy! It's like, it is the creepiest thing I've ever seen! No, not that one. Not that one. This one. Yep. That's, that's what Ugh. that looks like. Ugh. That makes weird. me want to fucking puke. 
that, that's real weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wakes up in his friend's room. Friend says, hey, yeah, you uh, kind of freaked out, went out, passed out outside. I just kind of dragged you in here. And you kind of realize, too, this just reinforces that guy's a good guy. Spencer. Spencer is a good guy. So he was, like, regaling everybody with Tales of Brigsby Bear at the party. And in that scene, he tells him about the movie that he wants to make for Brigsby Bear. And Spencer, like, fucking signs on, like, 100%. And they decide they're going to make the Briggs Bear movie right there and then. Agreed? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I, that's where the meat and potatoes of the movie really kicks off. Because the rest of the movie from this point on is about him creating this movie. And uh, the obstacles he faces and, and whatnot. It also, like, develops his relationship with his sister. Because a lot of her friends in high school are getting, like, pulled into this. And it's a little tense at first. But ultimately, she learns to appreciate sort of what his creative drive is doing to her friend group. It's like it's giving them like direction and motivation. Well, and like and they're creating something together, which is really special. And to your to your statement of she's getting pulled into his universe at this point, his world has just expanded 50 times larger. And for those of us that have a very small friend group, like if you can think of five people off the top of your head that you speak to on a regular basis, that's his entire world now. So the only people that he regularly speaks to are his sister's high school friends. That is his world. Because his world for the last 25 years was his abductee parents. Yeah, and I think the switch, yeah. too, is when he first meets his family and everything, and he's, he's at that party, it's it's him trying to fit the world. And after they start making this movie, it's like him and the world meeting each other at a, at a mutual ground. And I guess what I, what I mean by that is people start accepting him for who he is, and he starts carving out an identity that is both a part of who he was and who he will be. He's the bear guy. He's the bear guy. Yeah. He's but the kidnapped kid. It's it no longer this like awkward, like, no, you don't know what I'm talking about over here. You know? <laughs> but it's not. He quite, sounds like that too. We not, didn't mention he's very Italian. Yeah. yeah it's not. Italian American. Yes. Yeah, that Italian. <laughs> Okay. So back to like the sister thing. So I'm going to start peppering in quotes because we cannot do all of our quotes in qu- in the quotes because it's fucking, it was too many. It's a very it's like 90% of my notes. It's just a quotes very movie. quotable movie. Yeah. He actually says to his sister at one point when like their relationship is really starting to develop and, and they start to care for each other. He says, I'm sorry you weren't abducted. I bet we would have had such fun together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just feel like that like perfectly encapsulates his perception of of what had happened. He is really struggling with the idea that his abducted parents, abductive parents, the parents who abducted him were like actually bad people. They did a bad thing. And and reconciling that with the fact that they actually treated him really well and raised him with like a great deal of like he had an excellent education. Yeah, for a great being great deal of compassion. And yeah, yeah, they were really loving parents. They were just you know horrible kidnappers that ruined another family's life because of their actions. Yeah, right, right. And here's another just quote to throw out there. He says, "My parents stole me as a baby, but I still think they're pretty cool." <laughs> You know, and, and that just perfectly encapsulates how he's trying to, like, navigate this world that's, like, telling him that he is a victim of something that he finds comforting. 
And it was like delivered in such like that classic like Kyle Mooney way. He's like, yeah. My my, 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 what was the quote? It was uh yeah. My, my parents told me he was a baby, but I still think they're pretty cool. Yeah, my parents told me he's a baby, but I did, at one I point still think his, they're pretty cool. At one point, his sister <laughs> walks into uh, his room. This is actually to invite him to the party, and he's wearing the the Brigsby Bear head, and he's like dancing around in his room with the Brigsby Bear head on. And uh, she walks in and she freaks out because she sees him wearing this giant animatronic bear head. And he rips it off and goes, sorry, it's it, it's James. It's not a real bear. <laughs> we should clarify that he got the Brigsby bear stuff that was all confiscated by the police as evidence from Greg Kinnear, who he had sort of petitioned to get it back because he wanted to make this movie. And Greg Kinnear was initially reluctant and then Actually, I got I to gotta go into one of my other quotes because I feel like this really fucking, like, drove it home. He's talking to Greg Kinnear for, like, the third time in a day. And he's, like, eating his lunch and he's talking about how he wants to make this movie. And Kinnear is like, you know, I did some acting when I was in high school and blah, blah, blah. And he, like, gives him this line from Shakespeare. And he was like, whoa, that was amazing. That was incredible. Do you still act? Do you still do all this stuff? He's like, oh, no, I gave that up a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, why? And he's like, I don't know. You grow up. You grow out of this this stuff. And he says to him, it's very sad that you didn't get to do what was important to you. And that just fucking crushed me talk about a mic drop oh like, my god shit. it was again this is like the beauty of this movie just straddling that line between comedy and drama because that's heavy dude it was like, an entertainable scene like it was very entertaining to watch and you think he's gonna say something really fucked up or something like totally awkward and then he just says that and it just feels like somebody like not hard but it feels like somebody just lightly tapped you in the chest just to feel an impact. And you're just like, oh, oh, I didn't like that. But I did, like... I felt something. I felt something. Yeah, that was that was palpable. It definitely drives the point home to Greg Kinnear that I let my dreams die a long time ago, and I don't want them to die for this guy. And I want him to realize the dream that he's, he's imagining. So it inspires Greg Kinnear to basically, like, steal all of this Brigsby Bear shit from the evidence locker, bring it to this guy, and gives it to him much to the disappointment of his real parents who kind of want to see this Brigsby Bear stuff sort of sort die of die out. Yeah, um, they, they want the enthusiasm for Brigsby Bear to die out. But unfortunately, that's the only thing he is showing enthusiasm for. And that sort of sets up a lot of the conflict in the film is like, yeah, you want to support somebody. Sometimes supporting somebody in something means supporting them in things that you don't necessarily like like or agree with but to love somebody means to love them even if they're doing those things that you know you're not crazy about and i i think in that scene where he was like actually unloading the brigsby bear stuff kyle mooney's all excited and he gets like the the head and all these props and stuff like that and he runs inside to bring him to his room and the dad matt walsh is talking to greg kinnear and he's just like basically like, what the fuck guy like you're doing this uh greg kinnear's like oh i thought i'd bring him some of the stuff that made him so happy and matt walsh is like you're bringing him the props that were used to torture and manipulate my son for his entire life and it's just like Wow, yeah, that objectively, that's exactly yep, what these yep, things are. Yep. That is when 100% what these things are. When you're looking at it from that perspective, it <laughs> yeah. sounds terrible. You can't, you cannot twist this any way that it doesn't make these things that. But at the same time, sometimes being supportive means ignoring the objective truth and supporting somebody through, like, shit, even if it's demented. Well, and Brigsby Bear, obviously, throughout this film, is what 
anchors the main character to the movie. Uh, his name is James in the movie. Rigsby Bear is very clearly the one thing keeping James from having a mental breakdown about his entire life exploding. Oh, don't forget about the giant peach. Uh, yeah, James also had the giant peach, and that that helped him along as well. Yeah, that was more of a childhood thing, though. I think Brigsby Bear was more like his adolescent. Yes. Okay, you're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah th- this definitely came after the peach. Yeah. yeah. But that that scene that you were just talking about, though, where he's unloading the Brigsby Bear material, that perfectly illustrates the theme that I've been bringing up, just the, the dichotomy of this movie, where it is funny and cute and awkward, but dark and heavy, and you know, real. Yeah, I at one point wrote, it's hilariously tragic. Mm-hmm. And then immediately wrote down, the content is really dark, but they do an amazing job at making it lighthearted. And that's it. It's like, it's 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 an amazingly creative and lighthearted way to explore what is fundamentally... A fucked up situation. A f- incredibly fucked up situation. I mean, just, you can't even imagine. From everybody's perspective, this situation is totally demented. Also... A little note about Greg Kinnear in this movie. I thought it was a nice touch. So this guy is clearly missing his kidnappy parents. And his kidnappy dad, played by Mark Hamill, has this, like, goatee. Think Mark Hamill in the new Star Wars movies. And Greg Kinnear has that same thing, which is rare for Kinnear to have facial hair. And I felt like there was some kind of connection to helping this guy latch on to Kinnear as a father father figure. figure. Yeah, like somebody to trust, somebody to confide in. And I I, I dug that. Thoughts? Yeah, he had three father figures in this movie. You know, he had his kidnapped dad, who honestly I think he had the most connection to, for better or for worse. He had his biological father, who he was very distant from. just kept missing the mark. And then there's Greg Kinnear's character, who was the friend. He was the... Pal and the confidant. Yeah. Yep. Um, Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I I really love the Golden Girls. <laughs> who doesn't? I mean, let's be real. I'm more of a bronze girl. Um, but He just skipped silver and went right to bronze. <laughs> you got Olympics on the mind, no, friend. Silver is terrible because he didn't make gold. Bronze is like, well, you get placed. Silver is more conductive than bronze it's true not as much as gold also true that's science um it's called math look it up (laughs) yeah so it's called english literature if we look it up if we get back to the narrative here i think you're right the meat and potatoes of the movie is is definitely them making the movie yeah and there's beats in there various things i mean he has several run-ins with uh, with the cops um, because he's just doing things that he doesn't realize are not legal. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, he he steals his parents' car. He builds makes... an improvised explosive. Yeah, there. Okay, that second one he definitely didn't know was illegal, but I think the the former he definitely knew was illegal. Yeah, right. yeah. But right. yes, it ultimately drives at a confrontation with his parents where they don't know what to do with him. He is seemingly, like, without direction. They, they really don't understand what he is doing, what he wants to do, Well, that's... and they ultimately place him in an in institution. So I disagree that he doesn't have direction. Oh, no, no, no. He definitely does. They don't see it. Oh, okay. They, that... they, are, they are completely blind to what is driving him and why it's important to him, and they think he's delusional, so they end up institutionalizing him. That I agree with. Uh, where he meets Andy Samberg. 
<laughs> I mean, that's that's where that's where you meet Andy Samberg. Okay, we got to put this in there though. Like, have you guys ever seen Space Olympics? Yeah, <laughs> the Lonely Island Space Olympics. It's fucking amazing. If it, all of you listening at home, if you've ever seen Space Olympics, Andy Samberg, he's in the institution with him. He ultimately ends up getting into the Brigsby Bear movie, and his character in Brigsby Bear movie is absolutely his character from the Space Olympics. So just putting that out there, floating it out into the ether, into the universe. But yeah, so he is not super happy in this institution, would you say? I would agree with that. I mean, what, it's, what it, happens? It, it, it's no good burger institution. You know, I'll say that. Well, there's no George Clinton was the problem. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Do fries. Go with that shake. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love George Clinton so much. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so he, he breaks out, checks the TV through a, through a window. Gets it was out. a very complicated plan. That's what he says. It was a very, very complicated plan. That's, that's what he says. Somehow finds his way back home. You know, plot hole, maybe, because I, I, I don't buy it. But he gets home, sneaks into his house starts packing his bags and hears sounds walks over toward the sounds opens up a door and it's his friends it's his family greg kinnear's character and they're all they're like setting up a set but they're they built an improvised movie studio in his parents garage an improvised movie device yes an imd <laughs> imd Yes, um, but it, it's heartwarming because you it, it's really where everything comes together. It's where his, his parents realize that to have a relationship with James, they need to embrace who he is, even if who he is makes them uncomfortable. I'm definitely I'm just definitely realizing that we're we missed the connection to IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just yeah. I'm kicking myself right now. I I thought um, of it and I was I, just gonna let it I'm go. I'm sorry. I could. <laughs> it was in my head. It's, but, it's, it's a beautiful undercut of a very <laughs> emotional scene. It's okay. True. Back to Mark's point. It is it is a gorgeous scene. It's it, an it, improvised movie deployment device. There it is. Yes. Movie or di- improvised directorial. Movie. Where where's the B though? But device. <laughs> that's how that's spelled. Oh, the device is the D. Yeah, you're right. Bovice? In- improvised movie device. deployment base of operations. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Nailed it. Nailed it. Boy, we buttoned that up, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Moving yeah. on to Mark's point that All he's right. been trying to make. Uh, then it ends. The movie's over. But, <laughs> but no, I have to say, like, I think Mark... You hit the nail on the head. It really was the culmination of his parents realizing that to love somebody means to like allow them to be themselves well, and, and to help with that. And his sister shows them the recordings of the movie they've been making, and that's when they finally figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's when they finally realize, oh, he's not insane. This is just his way of coping with the world. Yeah, it's his creative outlet. Like, one of the things I wrote down was don't kill the creative spark. You know, he's got this motivation. He's got this drive. He's got this excitement. The worst thing you can do to somebody is to kill that because that's what drives us to live. That's, I mean, that's, fuck, that's the reason we're doing this podcast because we all have this creative need to make something ourselves and, like, get our ideas out there and put something together that's wholly our own. And, like, we all get excited about that. Like, if somebody were to come around and just, like, shit all over our podcast and be like, you can't do this anymore, that would be devastating. Yeah, that would be heartbreaking. Like, I don't care if you don't like it, but I care a little. Tell me where you parked. I'll burn your car. (laughs) 
You know? Yeah! <laughs> just real casual. Mark just like open threats. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Classic. To those of you listening. Mike Tyson and Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Just keep your cars locked. Fans of Long Rickety Hamster Toe. Yes. And Denim on Denim on Flannel. Uh, and, there, and there were flaps. Those are my favorite listeners right there. Those <laughs> are flaps. <laughs> Flesh walnuts. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, heartwarming scene with the family. I think the next bit really is when we move on to the movie theater. And, yeah, and there's, there's a screening of the final product. He can't sit in the auditorium and watch the movie. He's in the bathroom getting sick because everything that his entire life has led to brought him to this moment. And again, it's heartwarming that he's going through all that. But yeah, no, the people who, who watch the movie, they resonate with it. There really isn't a whole lot more. No, I mean, it, it pretty much wraps after that. I will say that he did have this very awkward but also touching interaction with Mark Hamill in prison. And he did that basically to get the voices recorded for the movie. And we get yet another glorious glimpse into Mark Hamill's genius as it relates to voice acting. It was outstanding to watch. Because you're actually watching him do it, which is even more magical. Like, it's more magical than his absolutely astounding performance as, like, the Joker. It's behind the veil. Yeah. And it's a a Mark Hamill-y veil. Oh, my favorite. It's a veil of ham. Bit of a Hamlet. Mm. That's pretty much the end of the movie. Anything else we want to touch on? I mean, I uh, just think this movie was dope as shit. Dope as shit. Dope as shit. That's a line. You've heard us say that a hundred times already. That was a line. (laughs) One thing that was interesting is when he's at these parties, when he's excited, when he's talking to people, he will very frequently just mimic the last few words that they say in a sentence as a way of relating. You know, like trying to learn the culture. Yeah. And it's both funny because it comes off as awkward and cute and lighthearted. But it's also heavy because the actor does a great job of reminding you with the humor that this is also a tragedy. He has never experienced this before. And you're immediately reminded, why has he never experienced this before? Because he was fucking kidnapped as an infant. Yeah, right. So like, while it's cute that he's repeating these things and it's played off for jokes, the actor does it straight-faced almost. And so my reading of that was it was it was a reminder of the tragedy that it wasn't a hollow joke. Man, it it just really resonated with me. The word that I used was mimetic, um, because he obviously knows that this is a part of culture. He's trying to absorb all of pop culture at once, so that he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. So a lot of these sound bites that he's picking up on, and a lot of these phrases that he's repeating are just things that he's heard in regular conversation and just assumes that everybody says. And so naturally he uses them a couple times out of context, which provides the hilarity. Which dope as shit is yeah. like the chief among those. Dope as shit is the number one. Somebody said that at the very first party. That's dope as shit. Spencer said it. Spencer yeah. said that, oh, dude, that's dope as shit. And he goes, yeah, that's dope as shit. And then he just kept saying it the rest of the movie. It's like, we're going to... We're going to have so much fun. Yeah, it's yeah gonna, and also, it's going to be dope as shit. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun, but it's also going to be dope as shit. Yeah. Like, he's so seriously, just, he's like, yeah, it's going to be fun, but it's also going to be dope as shit. Just like, those two are it. two very separate things. Just tries to knit it into every fucking conversation. Okay, so anything else that we want to touch on for, like, what we liked or didn't like about this movie? Anything? 
I I don't think there's anything that I didn't. I, I, there's nothing I, I didn't like either. I yeah. can't think of a single thing that I didn't. I fucking enjoy. like wish I could f- come up with something, but like honestly, this movie's just like exceedingly well done. I will say the one thing that I wish we could explore a little bit more is the world of Brigsby Bear. Um, we don't actually get a good visual of what he experienced you know like we we understand that brigsby bear is basically a sci-fi for children so it's a teaching device it's an entertainment device and it's also fantastical and sci-fi in every way and defies every law of physics it's like teddy ruxpin meets land of the lost meets fraggle rock meets dark crystal yeah i think is that does that cover it yeah but there's so many gaps yeah that's that i think that would be my one issue is if they were ever to make a sequel to brigsby bear they could explore that more yeah that's what you're saying yeah no i agree did we did we cover in the podcast that the entire show brigsby bear was completely fabricated by his captors. Uh, we fucking oh, did. Oh my god! Like, how do we, we miss totally that? We skipped over that. You're right. That. Go, go, that, Mark. Go. Brigsby Bear. It, it's not a TV show that kids were into. No, when Mark Hamill's character would leave for the day, when he would go to work in the poisonous environment, in the the facade that was his, his upbringing, he would go to this warehouse and he would record these episodes of Brigsby Bear and then basically bring them back and then subject his 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 uh, child. Yeah. So let's call him. No yeah. one in the world knows what Brigsby Bear is, and Brigsby Bear was very much a tool designed with the sole purpose of educating, entertaining, uh, and, and manipulating, and manipulating, and, and very much manipulating because it reinforces that don't go outside, you know. Oh, like, some of the shit that he says in the episodes are so fucking crazy. Do you have the science one? I have the curiosity one. Okay, yeah, you do the curiosity one, and then I'll do the the next one, because I have to do it. Let's just, like, officially transition into quotes here. Okay, fair enough. So, one of the quotes from Brigsby Bear, he's talking about basically keeping safe, and he's talking to this alien race, and he's like, it's really sad that you're going to pass away, but you brought it on yourself, because curiosity is unnatural and dangerous. (laughs) Along those lines, and with the important life lessons, like the one about curiosity, he flies by the camera at one point and says, remember, if you're feeling romantic feelings, only touch your penis twice a day. <laughs> oh, my word. But yeah, no, it just hammers home that like... The penis? Ev- ev- well, it hammers home the penis, but also <laughs> that every second of Briggs Bear was designed solely for James and was all about keeping him in a box. But just remember, it's going to be so much fun, but it's also going to be dope as shit. Dope as shit. Dope as shit. Dope as shit. So my quote very early in the movie, when at the time, it seems as though he's being kidnapped by the police, but he's actually being rescued. And the, the cop like looks back in the cop car as James is like covering his mouth with a blanket, and he's like just freaking out because he thinks he's going to get poisoned. He says, you know, as far as the air goes, no masks needed, which is, is topical uh, in 2021. Yeah, I, but, I would say that's definitely applicable now. <laughs> but it also just reinforces that for 25 years, James thought that if he were to step outside without something over his face, that he would die, you know? It was the barbed wire. It was the razor wire around his existence. And he is confronting that that's not real. Okay, so uh, my quotes, when Greg Kinnear first gets him in that interrogation room and they want to ascertain whether or not he was, like, molested, because they had no idea what this family did with him, he was like, did, did, they, did they touch you? Did they touch you? And he was just like, 
kind of like coy and he was like yeah yeah they did he's like yeah what did, what did they what did they do he's like trying to like get some information out it, of him it's not delivered for for laughs no it's not it's not it's very serious he's really trying to like did, were you molested and he just goes sometimes they'd grab me like this and he grabs greg kinnear's hand in a handshake motion and he goes and they'd say great job on your study son we love you <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's funny but it's also not funny because it's it was so... a very real possibility that these people were molesting him sexually for 25 years. Right. And nobody ever would have known. Yeah. And it just sort of kind of comically drives the point home that those abductee parents, while terrible people, at the very parents. least, like, didn't do that and were, you know, more or less caring and nurturing parents. So it was a, it was a funny way to get that point across. But it was set up to be a very serious scene. I did feel like they, they treated it as respectfully as you could like we're we're joking about a very serious topic and the movie was able i thought it was so interesting it was able to deliver that serious scene and make you chuckle but at the same time it didn't it didn't cheapen. make light yeah. yeah right and it also gave a lot of understanding and character depth that like, like you wouldn't have otherwise had like, Greg like they got that out of the way like why did these people kidnap him you don't have to guess anymore you can basically come to the conclusion that they wanted a baby and didn't have one and they kidnapped this kid, and it was nothing sexual. It was nothing other than they wanted a kid and didn't have one. Well, and Greg Kinnear's character in that particular scene is so uncomfortable, but he knows that he has to ask this question. And it's just him, like, sort of psyching himself up, you know, shadow boxing in the mirror moment where he's like, all right, I have to ask, did they touch you? And it's a very serious pensive moment where you're just like oh shit oh shit and then oh lord it's coming you see his reaction you're like oh fuck like i didn't want to hear that and then it just pivots and you're like oh thank god but it's that moment where you're like oh thank god they didn't molest him because you seriously thought like all of us in the room seriously thought that's where it was going and it was this moment that they treated with respect and dignity because Greg Kinnear clearly needed to ask this question to further the investigation. Greg Kinnear is such a good actor. He yeah. really like, just, is. He's so fucking good. He really is. I, I was just so impressed that they could handle that and make you laugh, but not make light of a serious topic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so my last quote was when he was at the party for the first time. Again, he, this guy doesn't know anything about really anything. And Spencer goes, you want a beer? And he goes, yes, I would like one of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was such a, it, it was a cringy scene, you know, because like, I'm just like thinking, man, you should not be here. You should not be here. Not this early. <laughs> oh, man. What do you got for us? Xmas Jess and Flax and Wax. Um, my last quote is when he tracks down one of the Smile sisters, Ariel slash Nina, who he discovers is the same person. And he's he's talking with her, and he, he basically says a line from the show that she was sort of cornered into acting in that reveals to her, oh, shit, this is the guy. And then she gets off work. She has a conversation with him to make sure that he's not, like, a serial killer. And then the cops show up because he has just stolen his parents' car to drive out to meet this girl who shaped his childhood. And she was like... Oh no! And he goes, well, I guess, uh, I guess my ride's here. 
And she's like, wait, they're for you? And he goes, yeah, I've been an outlaw since I came into this world. It's dope as shit. <laughs> it's dope as shit. So good. This is a heartwarming movie. It, it is. really it, is. It really is. So. Okay, so do you have anything else? I'm good. Are we Laura Dern with this? I'm, so. I'm Laura Dern. We can, we can ready to rock and roll Obama. All right, let's 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 rate this bitch. Jackson, we're starting with you. I would give this 8.9 Feldo Mortis. Oh, shit. Are, are, should we should we just leave that for the audience? And I'm discover, just gonna leave it right discover there. Discover in the movie, okay? Because they'll figure it out. Okay, they're gonna watch it. Obviously, they're gonna watch it. We have a great podcast. They're active listeners. They'll watch it. That's true. They are active. listeners. And if you don't watch it, I will hunt you down and cut off your Morton's toe. Oh shit! He's doing Mike Tyson's dirty work. Oh man, you are one sick son of a bitch. But well, I like Mike it. Tyson actually cut me a check uh, to hunt down Morton's toes for him because you know, in in his advanced age, he's just getting a little too inactive to get them himself. Mm-hmm. So does he you know, he's hiring them? it out. Does now. he suck them for for life essence? Well, at first he does, and then once they're dry, he just hangs them around his neck. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> right? We've all been there. you right. got a handful of Morton toes. You don't know what to do with them. You just got to, <laughs> you know, make a necklace to make some freaking tea, you know? Um, <clears throat> Earrings, too. So, it's on my Etsy shop. Uh, so, I gave this... Toe jam <laughs> at Etsy.com. <laughs> with two M's. Now you know how juicy it is. <laughs> that's, that's gross. That's uh, just... <laughs> all he's got. <laughs> So he's got. He's trying. <laughs> uh, I, I gave this bad boy an 8.4 skin source, which, uh, if I recall correctly, was the disease that you might perhaps get if you were to breathe outside. Skincer disease. Skincer. Yeah. 8.4. Solid movie. I mean, sure, there's a whole point above it, but I can't think of any way that I would want to improve this movie. Like it was. This is a. This is a very good movie. What you got? Come at us, Colin. All right. I'm going to give this movie a 7.8. Improvised movie devices base camps. <laughs> Thank you, Jackson. Thank you, Jackson. I think we're all kind of in the ballpark here. 8.9, 7.8, 8.4. Like, this was a good movie. And I think, personally, the whole point of this podcast, really, and in a lot of ways, is like to sort of get at those movies that are sleepers. I fucking yeah. love sleepers. The, the the shit that somebody hasn't seen and you tell them about it and you're like, go fucking watch this movie. I think you'll jam on it. And they watch it and they're like, man, that was so good. I didn't even know that existed. This is a movie that I would recommend to my wife, right. to my in-laws. Like, this is something that everybody can enjoy. To your wife-in-laws? Yeah, to my wife-in-laws. I don't know if I would recommend that, it to my girlfriend, though. There's that wives-in-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sister-wives-in-law. Sister, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot you were from Alabama. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry to those who are from Alabama. Um, <laughs> Nobody from Alabama lives in this. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Uh, okay, so um, so we've lost our Alabama listeners uh, to the other 49 states. Uh, that is all for the All Crep Review. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas... For movie reviews, or if you'd like to send us any death threats because you're from the state of Alabama, um, please <laughs> please email us at three. That is the number three. Men in a basement at gmail.com. If you would like to attend any shows, I believe Long Rickety Hamster Toe, Denim on Denim on Flannel, and There Were Flaps are all touring, and we will be at all of those tours through um, the Christmas season. So basically, around the end of January is where, where we're going to be ending our tour dates. 
tickets are available on Ticketmaster Bait. That's not Ticketmaster, just so you know. It's Ticketmaster Bait. Very yeah, different thing. No, definitely. The different stroke. Yeah. It's a deep stroke. Yeah. <laughs> but remember, only twice a day, gentlemen. Yes. It <laughs> brings me told us. Yep. Uh, if you're feeling those romantic feelings. Uh, Nine and noon. Nine and noon. <laughs> it's always 12 noon. Maybe 1130. If... It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, if it takes... It's kind of like cold starting an engine. Sometimes you have to prime it first. So, you know, you might start around 11.30, 11.40. But 9 and noon are, are preferably the, the peak times. I, mean, I feel like if you're at 9, you need to see a doctor. Are, are we talking technique or... You know? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. We're talking about um, times of day, obviously. Yes, yes. Right, And, yes. you know, we're on we're on Hawaiian time here. So, yeah. So, emails at 3 at basement at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you find your podcast. And Spotify until... now. Spotify now. Yeah, just, well, I, I think, you know. Sp- are we Spotify? Yes. We are. It's kind of a weird thing. I'll tell you about it after. All right. But More to come. Uh, <laughs> Mystery and intrigue. Ooh. Ooh. You can't see, but I'm like turning up my my mustache like I'm a Dudley Do-Right villain. Um, Snidely whiplash. <laughs> okay, so I think that's all. And we'll we'll see you in cyberspace. Trump. <laughs> 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 <laughs>